This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. Welcome to the Beckinsale Cineplex. Oh, you're looking for a ticket to the next big movie? That'll be $12, please. Mm. You want a luxury seat? Mm. $18, please. Mm. Oh, you want to see your movie in IMAX? Mm. That's $23. Oh, don't forget your mandatory 3D glasses, which are an additional $7. You know what? Just sign over the D to your house and enjoy your four-hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? You're no. not wrong. You're not wrong. In fact, those may be actual prices right now. I, I don't <laughs> Gross. know. Gross. But welcome to Bakersfield. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. And we'd like to thank you for listening <laughs> to our playlist for the 4th of July we did last week. And over hearts. Apparently look into it. That song is uh, responsible for GPS existing what? for consumers. Excuse me? Look it up. You're just going to tease like that? Do we have to Google something Well, I don't now? know the rest of the story. Do your homework, kids. But there was some Wait, fun. Proud to be an American. Like you're saying Proud to be an American by Lee Greenwood is responsible for GPS? In a, in a roundabout way. I, uh, maybe it's a different song. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Are you telling lies? <laughs> I heard it at the barbershop today. Okay. Oh, that's true then. Thank you for the comments. There was a bunch of good ones. But I would just like to say thank you to Drew Maxfield who said, No, America the Beautiful by Ray Charles. What yeah. is this? Fun show. It was, so, yeah, I, fun I like, show. I like that that was at the end. Oh, so so thank, I, thank you. I put it at the end song. It was the end song there. Oh, yeah. You did. I did. I After Freebird? Yeah. Well, you know, for the uh, closing track. I didn't oh. uh, mm-hmm. get, get uh, far. Yeah. <laughs> Jillian Suave. 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 Rico. Actually. Rico. What's more American than Bacon Seal doing a firework of an episode? Had me cracking up the whole time. Loved all the songs. I thought someone would say Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, and I, when she said that, I went, Sweet Home Alabama. That's a state. Oh, uh, different. It's, it has a different connotation now. Also, the South, they're kind of, I don't, they're doing their own thing. Which reminds me of Reese Witherspoon. They yeah. sometimes don't want to hang out with us or her in America. Um, uh, Briggs is hot, said my pretentious sad boy 4th of July consists of, this is for Kent, uh, Sufjan Stevens 4th of July, of Animal Collective's Fireworks, and Radiohead's The National Anthem. All great songs. I know you very Briggsy. Them. Yeah, very. <laughs> right. And finally, Debbie Foster says, clearly Joel Hilton gives us all the good patriotism. Mm-hmm. Zach's choices are totally middle America. And Kent Dunn, well, I'm not sure how to quantify <laughs> your choices. We hope you had a safe and fun Independence Day, and uh, we hope that our our playlist becomes part of your celebration each and every Indeed. year. There are some weird skips in there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says fireworks like a good old ragtime. Mm-hmm. I do like ragtime. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? We're talking about movies, but uh, uh, oh. movies that have made a whole bunch of money. A lot of money. A lot of money. We are going to be talking today about the highest grossing movies of all time. Just for inflation. So now that's a big asterisk there, Joel. It is. There is. There so is. we're not talking about, there There are no Fast and Furious movies on this list? There's no, no Lion King Flesh and Blood reboot <laughs> on this list. It's funny. There is, an, there is an official list that I think most people go by. On Wikipedia, this is all knowledge yeah, and truth. The highest grossing movie list, which is basically a lot of movies that have come out in the past 10 years have really just steamrolled the entire thing. Whereas yeah. I remember back in the early 90s, you'd see E.T. and Jaws and Snow White on this list. Movies that were there forever. Well, it was movies that would like, they'd stay on there for a while. And then yeah. eventually, like maybe five, 10 years down the road, one of them would get knocked off and you'd be like, oh, crazy. Yeah. And now it's like every new summer, every every couple months are like, oh, here's the new release. Oh, that's the new high school. In yeah. the current top 10, not adjusted for inflation, mm-hmm. there were only two movies that came out before the 2010s. One of them was 2009. Can you give us like the top five, just current, current right now, five to one, uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Titanic, Avatar, The Way of Water, Avengers Endgame, Avatar. 
But then once you get like the rest of, you know, later on in the top 10, it's stuff like Spider-Man No Way Home, Jurassic World, wow. Lion King, more modern ones, right? Furious 7, Top Gun Maverick is, is you know, close by there. Well, and it's a very... So very recent movie. It's a very fluid list. Mm-hmm. And that's because every time a new movie comes out, hey, guess what? Ticket prices are more expensive. And so that movie is going to naturally make more money. Until recently when movies aren't making money. And that's true. Actually, with now with a lot of, uh, uh, well, I mean, lack of quality movies, Basically, shall we say. Yeah. But also home theaters and just streaming mm-hmm. have kind of made it so going to the theaters isn't as big an event as it once was. Right. So that could affect the list as well. But the one that's a little more grounded, a little more solid, if you click on that little link on the side on the same page, there's one that says adjusted for inflation. What does that mean, Joel? What that means is that ticket prices today are more than they were back in the 1930s. Is that that your explanation for inflation? Essentially. Listener, that was Baconomics. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Because of when ticket prices start going up. Because, you know, back in the day, it was like, okay, you watch this movie for a nickel. And now Mm -hmm. it's like, you can watch this movie on Tuesdays for $5.50, but otherwise it's going to be like $10. Yeah. And so, of course, it's going to be more expensive. So what they do is they take the the previous movie's numbers and say, okay, they sold this much. If those were in today's amounts of tickets, mm-hmm. in today's prices of tickets, how much would that movie have made? The newer movies, the unadjusted list gives more weight to newer movies mm-hmm. because they, they... Movies cost a lot. They cost a lot yeah. now. And, uh, and we're getting the worldwide scene more yeah, now. Yeah, and because the, right. the unadjusted list, honestly, it's largely meaningless because every yeah. new movie that's come out is going to be the big, the highest grossing movie if it's a big blockbuster right. and you're paying $15 a pop versus totally. five cents. And even within the modern day prices, you still get some movies cost more. One yeah. notable example of this, which has been brought up on Bake Itself before, is Avatar, mm-hmm. which was released in 3D IMAX. So two-thirds of the tickets sold for that movie were 3D IMAX showings, which were uh, $14 compared to the average price of like $7 yeah. for a regular film at the time. So Avatar naturally, not naturally, unnaturally was inflated as soon as it happened. It's like when you go get being, your oil change and they're like, oh, your air filter is a little dirty. I put some leaves in here and they upcharge you. Always change your own air filter. Oh, I probably should. You should. But maybe they, maybe don't do that, Kent. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Yeah. But they constantly use the unadjusted ones for marketing because it sounds really cool to mm-hmm. say this is the number one film of all time, top right. film of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the top 10 list adjusted for inflation, that's going to give you the more stability and show you kind of really what's the big blockbusters. And if a more recent movie makes it on this list, I think that's more meaningful. Yes. Because if you think about like you know, if there's something that's come out in the last few years and it's still there, that I think is a is a, a better testament to yeah this sure that you know it made a, a a ton of money because of ticket prices but really it just sold a lot of tickets. and it's people in yeah. seats as well or yeah, it's 3D right. IMAX Avatar right <laughs> but uh, if you still don't understand I'm going to put this in terms I think you everyone always pick can on understand. Avatar for that you know like uh, so many movies come out on IMAX now mm-hmm. IMAX 3D though but now and they're but now they're pumped up by luxury. They are as well. But also, I think Avatar cheated. That's beside the point. Every every movie cheats uh, now. Avengers with, got a, a 3D as well. Avatar cheated even more. Every movie now. Then they re-released. <laughs> cheats with luxury. But if you still don't understand what inflation means, <laughs> let me put it in terms I think you can understand. You guys know the song 99 Loof Balloons? Yeah. Okay. You guys know one by Nina? Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard of it. 99 Loof Balloons would be worth 198 <laughs> red balloons today, adjusted for inflation. It just so, doesn't roll off the tongue as well. So it just doubles? Just their balloons, they're inflated. 90, 198 inflation balloons. In, in, inflation. Inflation. Yeah, inflation. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, the way we're going to play this, 
is we are going to be ranking the top 10 highest grossing movies of all time. Do we have to come to a consensus? Because that's not happening. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, the way we're going to play this is that we are going to use the original ranking, the one yeah. on Wikipedia, source all the truth, mm-hmm. 10 to 1, as our constant. Meaning right. it's going to be dr- the driving the conversation and guiding us as to what movie so we're going to So the last one we about. read will be the highest grossing movie of all yes, time. Yes, the highest grossing Adjusted. movie of all time. Just inflation. Yes. Just inflation. I like a way to put that into parentheses when really that's the whole point of this show. Truly. That is the real indicator of kind of the most selling tickets. But we'll be going there. through our personal rankings as we go. So it's going to get a little confusing. Yeah, but I'll, I'll give a bacon science uh, answer at the end. Thank you. Of what our very much ranking collective ranking is. So here we go. We're going to explain each one of these movies because I'll tell you what, most of these movies are pretty well known. Except for one of them. <laughs> except except for one of them. Except so. for one of them where it's like, holy cow. Why is this on here? Big old shocker. But we'll get to that. Yes, we will get to that because our first one is a very well-known movie and it's a fairly recent movie. It came out in 2015 and it's Star Wars, The Force Awakens. This what? Is number 10, highest grossing movie of all time. But because it's a more recent film, you can say, oh, I respect that that sold a lot of tickets. The other thing You can respect that yes. if you want. Tell me about the movie. Okay, well, if you haven't seen it, the synopsis is, as a new threat to the galaxy rises, Rey, a desert scavenger, and Finn, an ex-stormtrooper, must join Han Solo and Chewbacca to search for the one hope of restoring peace. Now, in, a, in a soft uh, remake of yeah. the original Star Wars. Yes. This is, uh, I mean, this is directed by J.J. Abrams, who did Rise of Skywalker, the follow-up to this, or no, uh, the second follow-up to this one. That's one you're going to mention? Uh, he, he reinvented and reinvigorated Star Trek, Star according Trek, to all my friends. 2009. And Mission Impossible 3. And Mission Impossible 3. Saved it. This stars Daisy, Ray, <laughs> Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, John Boyega, Harrison Ford. It's two hours and 18 minutes. Boy, is it. Which... Hey, good job, movie. Well, that's the, one of the few times I'm going to say that on this list. Oh, uh, yeah. There's you only what's weird. There's only one other better, I think. There's the, what's weird about this list of the highest grossing movies of all time, the biggest money makers of all time. Yeah. These are all long well, movies. So we, think about the time. Frames. We've been decrying long movies this year for the entire season of Bacon Cell, right? We're yes. like, why is it two and a half hours? Why is it three hours? I think they're looking back at history and going, well, these three hour movies made a lot of money. Well, and uh, looking at these, they all had in common they were longer. Yeah. And all of them were like PG or mm-hmm. PG-13 at most. Right. There's yes. not a single R-rated movie on here, which is interesting to me. So when this movie was released, it made just over $2 billion. Adjusted for inflation, that's $2.4 billion. As or approximately, approximately 4.5 times its budget. Wow. Because numbers. I, to me, well, no, I'm thinking right now because like you have the numbers of mm-hmm. unadjusted inflation, unadjusted for inflation and adjusted for inflation. Right. But to me, a good indicator of how well a movie does is how many more times its budget it got. Mm-hmm. And 4.5 is actually on the low end. So this is oh. in there in the highest grossing, but they spent a lot of money to make this movie happen. Sure. What was the reason this movie did so well? Well, I, uh, can, I, can I jump in jump there? Jump right in. Perfect yes, lead absolutely. Into what I have done, which is consulted AI. Um, so, oh no! I, hey, so did JJ Abrams for Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, clearly. Mm-hmm. So I asked AI the following question about every movie we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. In an extremely short summary, explain why blank is one of the highest-grossing movies of all Here time. Here we go. So, Star Wars: Force Awakens. <clears throat> Star Wars The Force Awakens is one of the highest grossing movies of all time because it successfully tapped into nostalgia and love for the original Star Wars trilogy while introducing a new generation of characters and storylines. With its captivating blend of action, adventure, and well-crafted marketing campaign, the film attracted a massive global audience, resulting in tremendous box office success. Which is actually is still oh, spot the, on. Oh, that's the, spot it's, on AI. it's still the number one domestic as well. It no, made almost a billion dollars. This was the hype machine. This Remember is, this? this is just time? after yeah, Disney had just bought like three Lucas years film. previous. Yeah, in, in 2012. Yeah, 
And they said, hey, everyone, we're going to make another hey, Star Wars remember movie. Remember those prequels? You're going to forget about them. You're never going to think they're better than the movies we're going to make. And we're like, wow. oh, oh, man. And everyone's yeah. getting hyped up. And they're like, hey, guess who we're getting back? Original cast is back. Yeah. And we're like, what? Pra- practical effects. That's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, this is going to be this is going to be amazing. And then this movie almost broke up Bacon Cell, season one. <laughs> season one. This <laughs> the last Bacon episode Cell. of season one of Bacon Cell. It is mine and Joel's, but it's the biggest insult I've ever given Joel. Still still regret it, by the way. Still hurts. Well, so you're saying some people didn't like it? I'm, I'm saying this broke so many office box office records. It was the highest grossing film in U.S. and Canada, highest grossing film of 2015. And it, it got uh, it was a nominated for some awards at the Academy Awards. Five didn't win anything. Yeah. Though. Yeah. But this really was supposed to be this kickoff of this new era of Star Wars for the, the uprising generation. And I bought into the hype. Well, I no, enjoyed this no, movie. Right. It's the good one. Right. It's the one where we go, hey, it's copy and paste, but there's potential here. It's a good. It's copy based nostalgia. Yes. Well, I mentioned AI earlier. I'm sure. I also asked AI uh, in an extremely short summary explain why people don't like movie, and this is what AI had to say. Is it some, my crabby take? Some people don't like Star Wars: The Force Awakens because they feel it relies too heavily on nostalgia and parallels the original trilogy too closely, resulting in a lack of originality. So the same reason people liked it. Additionally, some fans were disappointed with certain plot choices and character developments, leading to criticism of the film's execution and perceived lack of creativity. Okay, makes sense to me. Yeah, uh, this and you can tell like this one was already a little divisive, not a ton, but the Star Wars movies, they still made over a billion dollars at this time, mm-hmm. except for Solo. But then Last Jedi made one point three billion compared to this one's two. And then Rise of Skywalker made just one billion. So they kept just diminishing returns. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, speaking of people not liking it, I did look at the IMDb ranking for each one of these movies. Mm-hmm. And this came in. It's a 7.8, which is higher. Really high. Yeah. But that is the lowest of all the scores we have on this on this list. Here. Really? Interesting. Not yeah. what I would thought. But tell me about your score, Joel. What did you rank? Where this would you in put your this top ten in your ranking? For me, this is number ten at the uh, on the on the official yes. list. Mm-hmm. For me, this is number nine. Oh, number really nine. close. It's number it's nine. it's pretty close to the actual ranking here. I it the truth is, like we said, I liked this movie when it came out. To me, I said this was the fourth best film of the franchise mm-hmm. because I I said, hey, it's not it's not anything like the original series, but it's better than anything the prequels gave us. And I was happy to see it back and I was looking forward to where it was going. But the problem is then I saw where it went. Yeah. And I cannot it's in good conscience like yeah, it's like it's like how I met your mother. You haven't seen it. Right. But because of that ending, I have a hard time watching that mm-hmm. show again, even though I was enjoying it at the time. Same with Star Wars Force Awakens. I'm sure if I watched it now, I'd be like, I don't like where this It was the movie it needed to be in order to continue into something new. And then when it went somewhere new, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, this is my number 10. This belongs in the 10th place. You put it down at the bottom. Yeah, this this doesn't deserve to be on the list whatsoever. But it made a lot of money. It is only on the list because Star Wars. Yes. It is not because of the movie itself. You notice no other of the sequel series on here. None of the prequels are on here. Mm -hmm. On this top 10 unadjusted for... Yeah, they always kind of struggled. They'd always make around 600, 700 million back in the day, Mm -hmm. but they weren't accounting for the worldwide box office. But this one just cashed in on that hype and Disney knows how to market a movie. Yeah. And they marketed it well and they got us. So Mm -hmm. you say 10, I say 9. Zach, what do you say? I like this movie, guys. This movie does something which not a lot on this list do, which is it's fun. There's fun to be had here. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> These The movies on this list are big and epic, but not very fun. So, it is fun. But also, if you're going on a, a train and it's a lot of fun, but then the track's out at the end, it's not going to end well. <laughs> this movie ends fine. 
No, no, this movie ends fine. So I'm judging that, that moment, this movie. That moment when Ray holds out the lightsaber and then to Luke Skywalker. Imagine he picks it up and I then went, they go, they go laser oh. sword training and everybody's so happy. And the moment he throws it in The Last Jedi, I'm out. No. This, so I see the track at so the end. You're, you're, what you're saying is you don't like The Last Jedi. You're not saying you don't like The Force Awakens. I'm saying The Force Awakens exactly. is a ride that starts out, and I know where the ride's going, and so it makes the ride Don't lesser. make me go back to that episode, because I will and explain the random powers of Rey. Oh, that's Because true. they make no sense. But this is a turn-your-brain-off fun movie. It's worth the price of admission, and it is my sixth-ranked Fair. movie. It's not even in the I top I thought you were five. building up to a lot yeah, higher than six with that. It's still just six. There, okay. there are better movies on this, but this is one of the most fun on the list, and I will credit it with that. Right. Okay. Number nine. Oh, here's the fun one. This is so fun. We're going to Let's 19, say it all at the same time, 1965 guys. for Dr. Zhivago. Zhivago. Oh, Wait, yeah. What? What? Oh. What? The life. No, honestly, when looking at no. these at this list of movies, I'm like, yep, no, it, no, it, no, it, no. It. Every time what? I look at the cover, Dr. Zhivago, I get a little drowsy. The life of a Russian physician and a poet who, although married to another, falls in love with a political activist's wife and experiences the hardship of World War One. And the, the October Revolution. This is directed by David Lean, who did Lawrence of Arabia, Makes Sense, bridge and The on Bridge the on the River Kwai. He likes the long movies. Starting. I cannot believe that we're talking about Dr. Zivago and not Lawrence of Arabia right now. We have before. But I'm just saying, you on the list. You should hear Joel's take on Lawrence of Arabia. I, I would think that <laughs> that would it's be. Long. It's really long. Yeah. But it stood the test of time. Yeah. And Dr. Zhivago, people don't know this no, movie. No, honestly, I think you could give this list to any random person on the street and say, how many movies do you know? Nine. And they'd know nine. I call this one the most successful movie that no one has seen now. Sure. But for apparently, back in the day, wildly popular. People wanted to see... And what it does really well is it gives a glimpse into Russian life pre and post World War One. Rush, Russian life in Spain. Yes, because they couldn't film in Spain because <laughs> the book was banned in Spain, the movie was banned in Spain, mm-hmm. so they weren't going to let them film anywhere. There, so, so they, they were dressing. Oh no, excuse me, banned in Russia. My banned mistake. in Russia. I, they they were dressing like it was called Russia, and it was. I think at one point uh, it was recorded that it was 116 degrees Fahrenheit. They were, using they were dressed up like it they was were using up. dust from a local marble quarry. Wow! To make it look like st- oh wait, guys, I'm I'm doing a disservice here. If we're going to be talking about Doctor Drago, we have to play this song on loop. What? Honestly, it's pretty great. This, this is the best part. No. It is oh, not. It's, it's like the music box theme that we all know so well. The 20th time this came on during the movie, which was in the first <laughs> hour, which is like a quarter of this movie, because yeah. this movie runs three hours, 193 minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long movie. Mm-hmm. And this song, Lara's theme, this is called Lara's theme, kept playing over and over and over again. And but I it, got to the point where I'm like, stop. But it's the notable aspect song. of this movie where you're like, oh, I know this. Is this from the movie or is this a classical I piece? This was from Miss Congeniality. So <laughs> the budget on this one was $11 million. It made at the time in 1965 $112 million, which is approximately 10 times its budget. Better than Force Awakens. Yeah, but the question is. Why? Did Why do people so see much it? Money? I don't know. Let's ask. Well, let's, ask let's, let's consult the AI. <laughs> Dr. Zhivago is one of the highest grossing movies of all time, primarily due to its compelling love story set against the backdrop of the Russian Revolution. The film's epic scale, stunning cinematography, and powerful performance resonated with audiences worldwide, attracting a large and diverse viewership. Additionally, the film's release during a time of cultural and political shifts contributed to its commercial success, making it a timeless classic. Mm. Timeless classic is not true because it's not. you watch this nowadays and you're like, what? What are they going for here? It, it, boil, boil it down. It's a sordid love story. You boil it down. This guy is in love with two women. Yeah. That is the story. And I'll tell you what: the fact that he keeps trying to be with Lara 
drives me nuts because there was no chemistry between the two of them. And I found Laura almost just super annoying. Really? Yes. So it's Omar Sharif and Julie Christie. And I thought they were... I watched this one, one to, again today. Oh, did you? Just to... Did you just finish it like in, two in, minutes in, ago? She took three sittings because I took a nap in between. Yeah. Uh, this movie I makes like me want to take naps. They were so compelling in these roles. I do think this is considered timeless because it is one of these quote unquote heartbreaking love stories that spans a generation or two. But it's a movie that no one really will watch or I can't really recommend to anyone either. It won five Oscars. Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design. Uh, It was Cinematography and Art Direction, absolutely. Yes. Okay. I will agree with that because it is beautiful to look at. Yes. But uh, some of the filming too, like through the buildings and, and by the windows it, and everything, it it's lost just best picture and best director to yeah. Sound of Music. Okay, which I think interesting makes sense. What yeah. a year, sixty five, right? Apparently, <laughs> uh, most of the box office money, by the way, came from outside the U.S. and Canada. This is one of those. So it's like a Transformers movie. This is the Transformers movie of the, of the time. <laughs> Doctor Chivago is more than Transformers. Meets the eye. <laughs> uh, Zach, you said it. It is impressive in scale. Like the sets and the locations, they have tons of extras. It, it's just, it's beautiful to see, but the plot is incomprehensible. Well, uh, and, and addi- the lack of chemistry. Additionally, some people may not like it due to its lengthy runtime, yes. complex narrative structures, and slower pacing. Yeah. This barely, by the way, eked out Force Awakens because it has a 7.9 on the IMDb scale, whereas Force Awakens had 7.8. And it makes sense to me because it is my number nine. It deserves to be at number nine because it's a better film than Star Wars The Force Awakens because it's an actual film. It is hard to follow. It's hard to sit through. But it's particularly... It's a film history classic. Particularly oh. after the intermission. Up to the intermission is much better. But yes. after intermission is dull. Yeah. So the, the first half is better than the second half. Yeah. I totally agree. By the way, uh, shout out to Alec Guinness for being yeah. in this movie. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Very Obi-Wan. different character. He was the normally. director's lucky charm. Right. Yes. He's in Bridge on him. River Kwai as well. Right. Yeah. What about you guys? Where is it? This is my 10. Okay. I do, did not really care for this movie. Mm-hmm. I will not watch this movie again. Yeah. Pass. I was worried that I had not written a review for this movie because I know I'd seen it, but yeah. if I have a review, sometimes I feel compelled to watch it again so I can write an official review while it's fresh in my mind. And then? I had written a review and I was like, oh, thank goodness. Can you read the review? I, I kind of already have. It's okay. just incom- incomprehensible plot, lack of chemistry, same sappy music for all the three plus hours. But uh, the eyes of Omar Sharif. Watch that him in Lawrence too. of Arabia. I'm sure. I, I, this, I gave this one two stars. Oh, wow. I am not a fan of Dr. Zhivago, and I have no idea why it is on the list of highest grossing <laughs> movies of all time. What was wrong with people? People were rushing to see this movie. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> we're out. So we're is that your number 10? That is my number 10 okay. as well. Zach and I agree on that one. Coming in at number eight, we have The Ten Commandments. Wow. Remember, we never talk about this movie on Bacon Cell. We have before. Like Prince of Egypt, maybe. Maybe, but uh, synopsis for Ten Commandments. Moses, raised as a prince of Egypt in the Pharaoh's household, learns of his true heritage as a Hebrew and his divine mission as the deliverer of his people from slavery. And this is directed by Cecil B. DeMille, who did The Greatest Show on There's Earth. He's a real person. Yes. Not just a reference from old Hollywood. He also directed The Ten Commandments yeah. in 1923. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he took a run at this uh, in the silent era of this story. And it was that version. It's just kind of that there's two parts, mm-hmm. and it, like an old Ten Commandments story and then like a modern telling of people dealing with the Ten Commandments. Right. 
but this was his chance of doing it a full runtime of 220 minutes. So uh, the budget on this one is 13 million and made just over 122 million dollars, which translates to 2.6 billion dollars today. Yes. This is a 3-hour and 40-minute movie depending on what time of Easter you watch it or if it's on two different nights. <laughs> they did sometimes for a while there they were cutting it down, yeah. I think mm-hmm. on TV. Uh, but this did make about 9.5 times its budget. So it, it did pretty well. Rated G, by the way. Oh, well, it's biblical. It probably should be. It's just be. funny to me that like this yeah, is one of, some of the highest grossing movies capital in the world G. ever are yeah. G-rated. Yeah. Remember that G-rated movie that Mel Gibson made? Yeah. Oh. Stop that. <laughs> yeah. For gore. Yeah, absolutely. Gore. Yeah. Now, Cecil B. DeMille, he actually, this is his last movie he directed. He died mm. three years after this was made. And it was kind of... Is this, this considered his masterpiece? Yes. It is. Because okay. it's not the greatest show on earth, I'll tell you that oh, much. Oh, man, I do not like that movie. Yeah. By the way, it's based on uh, the book of Exodus in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? But it is also based on, on a 1949 hey, novel called Prince of guess Egypt. What? The movie's better. <laughs> the movie's better than the book? That's rare, but it's oh. true. Backing up for lightning strikes. <laughs> this was nominated for seven Oscars, but only one best effects. Yeah. Out of all the things strange. on there, yeah. it, was, mm-hmm. it was filmed. This is like, I, I don't like the word epic being thrown around as much as it is today, mm-hmm. but this is an epic film, like a grand, sprawling, a pro- all-encompassing film. epic, for sure. But yeah. why did this do so well? Why did this do so well, AI? Its epic scale, impressive visual effects for its era, a star-studded cast, and its portrayal of a well-known biblical story. The film's timeless appeal, coupled with effective marketing and cultural significance, contributed to its financial success. Yeah. All right. And, and so also, people knew the story. Yeah. Like, yes. oh, I read this on Sunday school. Well, and we take it for granted that nowadays we we get a movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. It's big in theaters. And then it goes to DVD or streaming or VHS yeah. even. Back then, that wasn't the case. They, they didn't own movies. They had the movie release and then it was gone. It was gone. Yeah. And maybe they do a re-release a little bit later. And they did on this one. They, they had it re-released in 1966 and 1972 and one more time in 1989. But the, this was one that also has aired on TV in primetime during every Passover slash Easter season since That's 1973. So this is a movie I've seen at least a dozen times this for is, that reason. This is the yeah. Easter movie. Yeah. Passover movie. It's just crazy to me that Moses is the protagonist of one of the most successful movies of all time. Yeah. yeah. Moses. Well, and they, they did this really cool <laughs> thing, too, where they were consulting. And they say this, I think, in the opening credits. They talk about how they were consulting Jewish scholars and Muslim scholars mm-hmm. and Christian scholars. And they wanted to come together in kind of this, okay, we're all going to work together and tell this story the best way we can. Wow. They obviously took some liberties sure, in, in sure. what was going on. But I love that coming together of, of all these different religions to make this one story that we all believe in. Joel, there's been worse liberties taken. At one point, Christian Bale played Moses. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, some people might not like this movie, according to AI, uh, because of its lengthy runtime, outdated visual effects by contemporary standards, a perceived Still lack of subtlety in its storytelling, sure. or its religious themes, which may not re- resonate with everybody. Yeah, I would get. I still think like there are some corny special effects, but I tell you what, that that For green smoke time of the Red Sea. Parting of the Red Sea looks good, but the, gr- the green smoke every time gives me the chills. Yeah, that part every time. Oh, I like it. Zach, I, how do you feel about this one? This is a really good movie, uh-huh. and I, it's my third ranked on this list. Wow, it's in your top three. It is in my top three. This is nice. this is an epic epic. I hear you there because it's my number two. Nice. Wow. My second favorite on this. I love this movie. It's and it's a lot of dialogue on this one that yeah. may actually go nowhere, but the acting is so hammy because they have Yul Brenner and Charlton Heston. In a My movie yeah. together. favorite part is when Yul Brenner starts saying, Moses, get out of here, etc. 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 Wrong movie. Right. Yeah. Joel? But, yeah. Anyways, it's just amazing. Well, for me, I thought I was being, I, I was going to get kind of made fun of because, because I, put you're this, Joel. I put this at number five. 
But no, oh, it's so in my good, top though. five. Oh. I had no idea you guys were going to read it. Joel, do you like the high. Bible? It's crazy. You I should do. read it sometime. Oh, he, he, no, Joel <laughs> thinks the book is better. We prefer the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, truth be told, like, the bot, my bottom three are the ones where I'm like, man, take it or leave it. But almost everyone after that, I'm like, I like that one. Yeah. I like that one. I like that one. So putting them in ranking was hard for so me. So even five is really good for you. This is my top five. Like, mm-hmm. I, was, I was really stressing about what I wanted my top five to be. And Ten Commandments made that cut. And it, it could be nostalgia. Because, oh, yeah. you know, I haven't gone back to watch it in 15 years at this you point. You should. I, I should, actually. But yeah. three hours and 40 it's, minutes. This is not... That's what I was going to say. That's almost is, a Snyder cut. This is not one. <laughs> <laughs> Why watch the Ten Commandments when I could watch I've the Snyder the Bible cuts. over here. <laughs> that's his religion right there. Uh, but, like, when this isn't one I can pop in and watch at any given time. Sure. But I'll tell you what. I brought it on a long car trip one time because we were driving on a Sunday and the kids wanted to watch it. I like, would like to know if the kids liked it. it. They did. Okay. They did because it was the thing to watch. It was right. the only thing to watch instead of that or scenery. I'm going to fly to New York and watch the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. All right. Number seven is a movie that I wouldn't normally expect to be on this list, but it just has, has stood the test of time. Yeah. And it's E.T., the extraterrestrial. E.T. found home. A troubled child summons the courage to help a friendly alien escape from Earth and return to his home planet. This was released in 1982, directed by Steven Spielberg, as stars Drew Barrymore and Henry Thomas. And this one is a crisp one hour and 55 minutes. Yes. Which is the shortest yeah. movie of any movie on this list. Thank you, E.T. It's not it's even It's now my number one, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am very thankful that Steven Spielberg is, is here. Well, yes. it, even in the normal list or, or the expanded list up to like top 20 or 30, he's on a lot of these. Like Jurassic Park is not in the top 10. No. But it's a very successful movie. And he had, I was going to say, he had Jurassic Park on there. He had Jaws on there. He's hit the highest He's grossing of all time. Yeah. Just not as much for inflation. AI. This made. Uh, this right. Made, yeah. This was made in a budget of $10.5 But then it made $793 million, which is approximately 76 times its budget. Woof. Wow. This made a lot of money. And just for inflation, that's two point eight billion dollars. So this movie clearly, in its uh, in its box office, you know, initial run, it had what they call legs, which means it just kind of kept going. But tiny legs, like a little tiny little legs, short little stout legs. body and tiny little legs. Now the question is, does any re-release also contribute to these numbers? Yes, I believe ET got a re-release, and they've made him all CGI. They they did do a re-release. They did they do add those into these overall high scores movie. Don't yeah yeah. yeah. ET's not a puppet anymore. I was gonna say mm, even I know uh, uh, they, they released the special edition in oh I don't remember when it was, mm, but Steven Spielberg said that in the future there's gonna be no more digital enhancements or digital additions to anything he directed. He regretted doing it. And he said oh. when people ask me which ET they should look at, I always tell them look at the original 1982 version. So correct. He's, he's the anti George Lucas then. I think George Lucas talked him into hey uh, replace all those guns those guys are holding with walkie talkies and make the make the movement a little more fluid with cgi let's and put a cantina band in there somewhere yeah. but then yeah he regretted it and he said no watch the old one this was an immediate blockbuster it surpassed star wars to become the highest grossing of film for of all time which it held for 11 years until spielberg beat himself by doing jurassic park mm. but why wouldn't people like this movie why wouldn't people like this movie yeah because individuals might find the film's sentimental nature focus on children or its portrayal of the alien as too simplistic or cliched ultimately it boils down to subjective opinions and varying <laughs> interpretations of the movie's qualities thanks say i for that last part <laughs> yeah but it does have uh, again back to ai it has a captivating story about friendship heartfelt emotions and universal themes that resonated with audiences around the world uh, that combined with Steven Spielberg's masterful storytelling, memorable characters, and groundbreaking visual effects, plus Reese's Pieces, 
uh, yeah. created a cinematic experience that transcended age and cultural barriers, which oh, I agree with. AI, you've disappointed me because you did not mention John Williams' score. Yes. The score is score outstanding. Is beautiful. Probably his most underrated work. Is yeah. this the only like direct for kids movie on this list? Like I know Ten Commandments is rated G, but E.T. is kind of made for children. Would, mm, there, I, there are some general family films on here. Yeah. yeah, I'd say this is more but, geared toward kids. But now. is it geared toward kids' kids? Because this it's, is some I mean, heavy it's, it's stuff kids' perspective the entire time, though. It is, but it's a heavy film. Eighties kids, Joel. Eighties kids. Yeah, we were watching some dark, stronger stuff. stuff. Yeah, E.T. in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we're worried about. Yes. <laughs> They did model E.T. after the face of Carl Sandburg, Albert Einstein, and Ernest Hemingway. They had actually, uh, the, there was puppetry and also just visual effects, but 80s visual effects mm-hmm. happening here. They had two uh, little people, Temba Tro and Pat Bellin, as well as a 12-year-old Matthew Demerit, who was born without legs, took turns wearing the costume. So they had, okay. they had like these, prat- like they, they wanted the kids to interact with something real. Mm-hmm. And they actually filmed it in chronological order so the kids could kind of grasp what was going on there. But you get little Drew Barrymore, and little Henry Thomas, like yeah. those those two were just so fantastic in their roles. We just don't need to talk about the video game adaptation of this movie. Bury it. it. Uh, did, we should absolutely bury it. Indeed. Bury it. it killed bury the video it. game industry for a while. So my ranking on this one, it's number four overall. It was a surprising top five for me. Really? You didn't expect it to be in your top five? No. Oh, I love this movie. It's great. What do you give it, Joel? This is my number two. Two? Okay. This is, oh, this is one of my favorite movies on the list. I really do. From the score. And mm-hmm. I just think Steven Spielberg does everything right in this movie. It's yeah, sentimental. It's comedic. There's this sense of wonder that happens. And you... A little bit creepy? A little bit creepy. Kids don't really understand how E.T. was everywhere back in the day. Right. Like... He's popping up at Universal Studios. You can take a picture with him. He's popping up Michael Jackson albums. He was in Candy. He was in Serial, like cartoons. E.T. was everywhere. And mm-hmm. people don't really talk about this movie, which is a shame because it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. That's because it didn't get six sequels. That's true. Thank yeah. goodness. Right. We talked about the uh, parent sequel that was meant to come out and it oh. sounded horrible. Yeah. Night Skies. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was being generous at giving this number five. Oh, but, okay. Uh, yeah. You guys ranked it even higher. Yeah. yeah. So, it's a good movie. Yeah. Really like it. They should make at least two sequels so they can do 3T for the third one. <laughs> so uh, there are, I believe, a couple on this list that are underrated and mm-hmm. I think E.T. is among them. I think yep. it's it, even though I it's mean, on the highest grossing I of all time. I do underrated. wish Jaws were the success that E.T. was. Jaws you know. or Jurassic Park for me. Yeah. Yeah, being the, being the younger, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Jaws would have been like my number one for sure. Yeah. It, it yeah. is, and I will prepare you, listener. If you haven't seen ET, is a little bit slower, but I I truly believe, listener, anyone, everyone should watch ET at least once. I agree. Our number six movie on this list is 1965's The Sound of Music. A young, the hills are alive. A young novice is sent by her convent in the 1930s Austria to become a governess to seven children of a widowed naval officer. This is directed by Robert Wise, who did West Side Story and The Haunting, and starring Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer. Wait, you, yes. did, you did West Side Story and The Haunting? You didn't yeah. talk about Star Trek, the motion picture? I uh, sure didn't. Or The Day the Earth Stood Still? Sure. Classic oh, actually, sci-fi. I do like Day the Earth Stood Still. That's a good one. But not, not, not the Keanu Reeves one. No. Uh, this stars Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer and a bunch of other people, including Liesl. Yes. Yeah. Liesl? Liesl? Liesl. Liesl. This is two hours and 52 minutes. Once again, this is one of those TV mainstays. I don't know what time of year this would come on. Maybe it's Thanksgiving. It happened around Christmas Was for it? some reason. Yeah. Okay. It's because of brown paper packages tied up a string. The tonal yeah. roller coaster of The Sound of Music is ridiculous. <laughs> I remember hearing someone talk about how they only watched the first tape. Their family only watched <laughs> the first tape so it's of nuns. Sound of Music. 
nuns, and then she finally gets married, and that's the happy ending. And then and someone someone wants to talk about the Nazis, and she's like, "What are you talking about the Nazis?" Yeah. And then it was like, "Oh, there's a whole second tape." So the budget was eight million dollars on this one. It made one hundred and fifty nine million dollars, and it equates to two point eight billion dollars today. Yeah, and. This is an adaptation of a stage musical. It was originally a stage musical first, a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, uh, which was also based on uh, the 1949 memoir, The Story of the Trapp Family Singers by Maria von Trapp. So she wrote this book to help promote her family's singing group. And some say it's not entirely accurate as to what really happened. Sure. Like they in, in her version of the story, Captain von Trapp is the stern, mean one, and then she's the joyful, loving one. Uh, her stepchildren remember it a little bit differently, that her dad was really sweet and nice, and the stepmother was a little bit cold and angry. Oh, well, she's a former nun. But why was this so successful? That's what I'm wondering. What would AI have to say about this? Due to its captivating story, memorable music, and timeless appeal, it combines elements of romance, family, and World War II history. Maybe the World War II history part of it's not not so nice, actually. Don't look that up. <laughs> uh, the film's strong performances, particularly by Julie Andrews, and its breathtaking scenery also contributed to its widespread success. Yeah. And they were considering Julie Andrews, like, uh, from the beginning, I believe someone had, had mentioned her, but it wasn't until they went and saw dailies, uh, see footage from Mary Poppins that wasn't yet released, and they, they were like, all right, we need to get her before, hmm. before she was famous. The film was still in release when the Motion Picture Association started doing film ratings because 1968 is when they went, we're going to start rating these films instead of just saying passed or don't pass. Okay. Because those so, have always been relevant. Yes. Yeah. This is when the PG ratings board came in and they said, yes. they said, we're going to give this a G rating. So this is a G rated, another G rated film on the highest grossing of all time. Wow. Which is kind of weird to think about. Some people, however, may not like it, including me. But uh, I know factors uh, such as the film's sentimental nature, classic Hollywood style, or focus on musical numbers may not resonate with certain individuals, uh, leading to a lack of appreciation or enjoyment of this movie. Additionally, some viewers may find the storyline predictable or the characters overly idealized, resulting in a disconnection or lack of interest. We did twirly whirlies in the park, Zach. That's the best. For this movie. It's one of the greatest moments of my life. I loved that. I will. I will cherish that. But forever. not the sound of music. I don't care for this. The hills movie. are not alive with. But it, no. this is a very popular movie in its time. In some cities in the United States, the number of tickets sold exceeded the population of those cities. People were going to see this wow. again and again. It broke box office records in twenty nine countries, but not in Austria. Mm. It was largely ignored in Austria and ran for only three days. And people didn't want to go see it because it quote wasn't authentic. Wow. Okay. Uh, it's crazy, and I want to pull it back a little bit because we've talked a lot about Oscar nominations for the previous movies, even Force Awakens somehow. Yeah. Um, because sometimes the biggest movies of the year were nominated for Oscars. Isn't that crazy, guys? That is weird. Wow. So this one was nominated for 10 Oscars, and it won five, including Best Picture and Director. And that's the same year that the uh, <laughs> Dr. Zhivago Thrill Fest got a lot out. of other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that is there was a weird like there's this weird well, no, juxtaposition they were, of they were movie movies, of the year. Yeah, when movie, the biggest movie of the year was also the, the Academy Award winning mm-hmm. movie of the year. And there's a weird cross point. It's weird that people actually watched the Oscars back then. Yeah, around like the <laughs> late seventies, early eighties, there's this cross point where that just ends. Yes, and the Academy goes, no, no, we're going to go over here, and we want our rules. And audiences go, okay, fine, you go yeah. over there. Which I get it. Like we don't want like. Fast Fast Five to be best picture, right? Because it made one point five billion dollars. But there's there's gotta be some balance in there. Yeah. Sure. But hey guys, I would rather watch this movie than Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> and that's it. That's my number book. nine. Oh <laughs> Joel, what about you? This is my number three. 
is my number three as well. Is it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is one of those movies. Delightful. I think it's boring in parts. I sure. think it's it's cheesy at times, but it's hard not to love this movie. Just the the music alone it makes precious. me happy. Yeah, and so I I think it's uplifting and suspenseful. I think it's a classic. I think it's deservedly a classic film, and it deserved to be played on TV for twenty plus years. I think it's interesting, and I am apologizing to you too for tanking the rankings on it. I Zach apologize. wanted them to get caught. That's I what did. we're hearing right now. I did. He wanted them to be Van Trapped. Oh, wow. Coming in at number five, we have Avengers Endgame. Holy cow, that da, came out like da, recently. Da, da. Yeah, real recently. But number five. That was Lord impressive. of the Rings, by the way. Yeah, Nobody knows what? the theme of Avengers. It's fine. Dun, 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 That's Harry Potter. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, he was doing it. Uh, after the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins. With the help of their remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to reverse Thanos' actions and restore balance to the universe. This is directed by the luckiest two people on Earth. It's the Russo brothers. The Russo and brothers. starring the MCU. The Russo <laughs> brothers who directed You, Me, and Dupree. <laughs> And some community? Yeah, yes. paintball episodes of community. Uh, they, they did the Captain Americas and uh, Avengers. Like, they've done the good uh, MCU movies, like the really good ones. Mm-hmm. And some Netflix movies now. It's three hours and one minute. They had to add that one minute. They did. Uh, fun fact, the only superhero movie on our entire top ten list. Yeah. Which is kind of weird to think about in this world of all these super movies coming out. This is the only one to crack the highest grossing of all time. I call this one the most successful movie that requires the homework of 21 other movies. <laughs> Zach, why was this movie so successful? Because people are lame. <laughs> no, it's a good movie. It was the culmination of highly successful and interconnected Marvel Cinematic Universe, which had built a massive fan base over the course of several films. The movie had an epic and emotional storyline that concluded the overarching narrative of the Avengers, creating a sense of anticipation and excitement among fans. Additionally, Endgame benefited from extensive marketing and promotional campaigns, creating widespread buzz and attracting audiences worldwide. Zach, I'm not the biggest fan of this movie, so I would like to hear maybe why people like me don't love it. Well, some viewers felt the movie was too long or overly complex, making it difficult to follow or connect with certain plot points. Others may have had issues with specific character arcs or creative decisions made in the film. Additionally, the high expectations set by its predecessor, Avengers Infinity War, a better movie, may have led to (laughs) disappointment for some viewers consider them one movie like the rest guys is this the last of its kind or will we see this again because this is the one that created such a zeitgeist it blew away day one first weekend numbers Mm -hmm. like of any movie ever everyone needed to see this i don't know what it will take but i it, it could happen certainly but i don't foresee in my lifetime an event like this movie this was because it was it was coming out must see TV, you know? Yeah, the the status of what people would call really Decade good movies. Yeah. And now those movies have lost it. their luster, really right? Are. Even if there is another grand adventure Avengers movie, it won't be like this well, one. Because this was the grand finale. This sure. was the closing of that book and being like, "Hey, this journey we've been on since 2008 Eight, yeah. uh, is now coming to a close. Thank you everyone for coming." Here's the grand finale and all the fireworks go off and you're like, that was great. And then you walk away from the show. Okay. Which is and what that's, I've what, done. that's what I think a lot of the MCU has done. Now, these were filmed, Infinity War and Endgame were filmed back to back. And they had, like, this made a ton of money. Like you mentioned, $2.79 billion. Billion wow. with a B. Yeah. But it is also that's one of the most expensive films ever made. Yeah. Had a huge budget, so only did about seven times its budget, which is where we think we're in the billions here. And this is the age where they are spending double in advertising, whereas yeah. these older movies, they may have spent a little bit, 
but they were also made for $10 million too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And guys, finally, after the culmination of all those years of doing the MCU movies, and this one came out and the Academy finally gave it the recognition of a nomination for best visual effects. And that's it. (laughs) Didn't even win. Mm-hmm. And that is weird to me. I, like they like to give these legacy awards. I don't like legacy awards, but neither. But at the same time, that's why Lord of the Rings won Best Picture. Or no, Return Lord of the, the Rings, Return of the King won because it's good. It well, won because, because Fellowship should have won because it is the the culmination of those three movies. That sure. was the Academy being like, yeah, we'll give you an award yeah, for your finale. All three are outstanding. Oh, absolutely. I think this movie is also outstanding. To me, this was the well deserved victory lap that mm-hmm. that MCU deserved and that I deserved for watching all those. Other <laughs> you <movies>. deserve. <laughs> Because you deserve more for watching 10 more after it this, gives too. You, it gives you all... It ties all these storylines together and all these moving parts well, together. And, and, and there are legitimately cool moments in that yeah. last battle. Even though the last battle is so messy. I still get chills at certain parts. Of course you do. And and when I watch this, which, once again, this is a three-hour movie. This isn't one I'm popping in all the time. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to... My family and I are watching the, the phases one through three of the MCU mm-hmm. again. And I'm looking forward to watching this again because it's just so fun to see everything come together. Yeah. And I think they made, honestly, and you guys are going to mock me for this, I think they made some bold choices in this movie where they're like, okay, we're going to do this and people are going to expect it and we're going to like enjoy it. Garbage time travel stuff? Yeah. I think see, with the mockery. With, exactly no, no, no. Mockery no, with character choices, with with favorites, they made some bold choices. They absolutely did. It's a messy movie that I'll watch twice in my life. What, but you rank it? Oh, it's eighth on the list eighth. for me. Joel? That is low. I know. That is real low. It just it, it should have made this money because it is the culmination, but I just don't see it as a film classic. Now, Zach mentioned earlier the element of fun. Yes. I think this may be one of the funnest okay. movies on the entire list. Okay. Just everything coming together, a lot of humor, a lot you. of comedy, a lot of action. This is fun. I'm giving it a four. Okay. This is four up there for me. Yeah. It honestly might have ranked higher, but you guys have already pointed out, uh, and cynically so, that there is a lot of backstory to this movie. This is not one you can pop on and be like, I'm going to watch this one movie and enjoy it and this, have not seen anything this else. Is this better than Infinity War for you? I consider them one movie. Okay. Like kind of because you can't really have one without the other. I get you. One ends in a downer. One starts after a downer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of consider it one lump sum okay. of, of, of Avengers Infinity War That's and Avengers Endgame. Yeah. You guys like Infinity War better mm-hmm. because it's that downer Empire Strikes Back vibe. I like this movie because it's the culmination with a finale and gives me an ending, a satisfying oh, ending. I like Infinity War better because of Thanos. Exclusively. Thanos is good. He's a great villain. Th- this Th- one, Thanos is a really good villain, and he's nothing in the. There in are so many plot holes that the good guys start coming back through them at the very end. <laughs> <in this movie. laughs> yes, that's the problem. But like you, Joel, I do consider them one entity. But ultimately, it's, it, it's the buildup. This was uh, an amazing moment for movies, specifically blockbuster movies. This is also my fourth on the list. As much wow. as I may, I may piddle on this movie, and, and in some ways deservingly so, it's important. It was an awesome time to be also, a, a geeky fan, and and uh, what it set out to do, it did very well. The timing this movie was released in oh, 2019. The fact that it did not imagine, go to 2020. Imagine if it was delayed. That would have been terrible. Yeah, it would have, the, There are very few movies on this list where I have cheered while watching it. And this is one of those movies, which yes. is why I had to make my top five. This was such a fun experience to watch in a packed movie theater. For yeah. Sure. Now, the fourth highest grossing movie. Just for inflation. Just for inflation. Thank you, because I messed it up three times. Of yeah. all time. Of all time is... Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. <laughs> it, no, 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 it's called Star Wars. It's just Star Wars. Stop there. It's just Star Wars. Retroactively, special edition Star Wars Episode no. Four: Stop. A New Hope. Stop. It's Star Wars. If I say, "Hey, I'm watching Star Wars," and people say, "Which, Which one? one?" I'm like, "Nope, it's Star Wars." Because that's it, what it was until they started. This movie is too important to call it Episode Four. You stop that the right Twilight now. Twilight Saga: New Moon. No. <laughs> 
Can you so, want to give a synopsis for Star Wars? In A New Hope, Luke Skywalker joins forces with a Jedi Knight, a cocky pilot, a Wookiee, and two droids to save the galaxy from the Empire's world-destroying mm-hmm. battle station, while also attempting to rescue Princess Leia from the Mysterious. Mysterious. Mysterious Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that. This is directed by George Lucas, who didn't direct... Like, he only directed the one. Yeah. He didn't direct. Uh, he didn't direct. Uh, because he knew back. where he, his he marionettes were, puppeted the no, rest. But he that's when he's best. That he had flaws as a director. That's when he's best. That's why episode one, two, and three do not hold up as best as the original trilogy. Hold Are you saying this is not the best of the original trilogy? Best, probably. My favorite, as far as a complete story, is yes. that where you're going with oh, that? Because yes. I know that's kind of your thing. Because this is actually, it can be a complete story. You can watch this one totally. and say, "Boom, that's huh. the ending." 100%. Happy. But then they also leave the door a little bit open. If you only ever watch this movie, you get a great experience and you get the feel of Star Wars. But this is a masterclass on how to do that type of franchise where it's like, hey, you know what? They saved the day. They blew up the Death Star. Everything's good. Darth Vader got got away. But, you know, that's okay. We'll talk about that another time, maybe. I want to talk to you about the Rebel Initiative. Instead of a whole cinematic <laughs> universe. But why was it so successful at the time? Due to its unique blend of epic storytelling, groundbreaking special effects, memorable characters, and a devoted fan base. The original release in 1977 revolutionized the film industry and mm-hmm. created a cultural phenomenon that continues to captivate audiences across generations. It was made for $11 million. It made $307 million, which is now about $3.4 billion. And uh, this is the highest rated on IMDb of any of the movies we'll be talking about. Really? 8.6. I'm surprised it hasn't gone down with modern audiences. I've talked to a lot of people lately that recently in the past couple of years watched this for the first time. And it doesn't draw them like it did when we were watching on Saturday afternoons. it was so revolutionary in 1977. And it's been copied so many times since, even by its own franchise, that it becomes lesser to go back and watch it. Well, according to AI, some people don't like the original Star Wars from 1977 because they might find the story predictable because it's been done so many times. The hero's journey, sure. You know, or the special effects are outdated compared to modern standards, which I get. They were revolutionary for Well, that's why George Lucas went in there and called it A New Hope (laughs) and added some special effects. And CGI job of the Well, and this was definitely like as they were making it a lot of the cast and crew were like this is gonna be so bad <laughs> i you, bet and if you and watch they, it it's kind of bad it's kind <laughs> of a bad movie have you guys seen the videos where peter mayhew is doing the actual chewbacca voice like he's like, talking yeah, to them because he spoke yeah. on set yeah to the actors they added the, the noise it's changed my world <laughs> yeah it's crazy because harrison ford is responding yeah mm-hmm. it's amazing to, to peter mayhew yeah when they released it in in 1977 they actually did kind of limit the number of theaters because they were really? like, you know, we're not sure about this movie. But then it was such a big hit. It, it was one of the first big blockbusters ever. And it, yeah, they, two years after, uh, after Jaws. Yeah. And Jaws was considered the number movies. one. Yeah. And then, yeah. Well, and this became such a merchandising thing. Right. I mean, it just, it, you know, you could wear the costumes. You could buy the the, the figurines. It just, Have bed sheets. And we did. Yeah. yeah and and you, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, cosplayers galore. This surpassed Jaws to become the, the highest grossing film of all time. And then it held that for a couple of years until E.T. beat it out. What? Yeah. E.T. beat this one. E.T. beat this one. Wow. And uh, this is a hugely influential film, as we talked about. It's nominated for 10 Oscars, won six. They're all technical, but still sure. deserves them. Well, I, as far as rankings go, guys, this is Star Wars. It's, it's flipping Star Wars, man. It's number one for me. Wait, it's flipping Star Wars, it's, a new subtitle? It's, a, it's, it's Star Wars. flipping Star Wars, a new hope. Episode four, no, new no, hope. Get that new hope out of my face. <laughs> it's number one. It's number, it's this my is number easy one. number one. This is my num- it's easy number one. Is it number one? Joel. Well, look, Empire Strikes Back. It absolutely back. is. Okay, I'm kidding. You. Oh, my oh, goodness. Geez. Yes, oh. in this list of top ten, Star Wars was one of the easiest picks where you'd be like, oh, well, that's, oh, number, that's one. number one. Yeah, obviously. I think we all started there. Yeah. 
I think this is uh, one of the greatest films of all time. Whoa. Uh, I do. because really? I think because of the impact it has and the legacy it created. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the one of the cornerstones that. of film, of good film. It's like staying power and immediate I, impact. I am going to be very technical in how I use the word, and I'm going to disagree with you that this is one of the greatest films of all time. This is one of the greatest movies of all time. Because but is this, it one of the greatest flicks of all time? This is Because this is, to me, just like, what a fun movie. Yeah. Like, it doesn't challenge the brain. It doesn't enrich your life in any way but it's so much fun rich is my life really tasha station to go pick up some power converters exactly yeah. i think we all need a little power converter in our life i do i love Star Wars so much <laughs> it's so good i want to watch it right now oh should we end the show there since that's number one i mean there's there's the so, show? no so because it's not the number more. one on the real list sure <laughs> Zach, what's, what's the next one only down how to go from here Oh, this list is sinking. Okay. Next up, we have from 1997, Titanic. A 17-year-old aristocrat falls in love with a kind of poor artist aboard a luxurious, ill-fated RMS Titanic. This is directed by James Cameron, who did Terminator 2, True Lies, and Avatar, The Way of Water. Freaking bangers left and right. Second one, sure. And then he start, it stars Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio and a bunch of other people. Most importantly, Leonardo DiCaprio's hair and Billy Zane's wig. Yeah, put some respect on Billy Zane's name. Mm. Come on. Have you watched He's this in the movie Phantom. recently? <laughs> Actually, I did, Joel, because I didn't watch this movie on purpose until we did our Oscar challenge about seven years ago. Yeah. You watched it for the first time. Yeah, for the first At time. At like 1.5 speed on your oh, lunch look, break. It was a race. That's how it, I watched Dr. Zhivago. Yeah. It was Jake and I trying to finish our last movies for this Oscar challenge, and it was an absolute race. And I finished this one did, at work. Did you guys cuddle? While you watched it? No, oh, they were no. doing it separately. He was, like, he was in an office. Back. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. But I refused to watch this one because Leonardo DiCaprio was so popular and he was on Tiger Beat and everything like that. And I was like, I don't need that in my life. And everyone saw this movie that I know of like three to four times in the theater. Yeah. And I didn't want to beat that guy. But when I finally saw it, I was captivated. I said, why did I take so long to watch this? Especially that last half, which is so stunning to me. What a great choice of words that the AI also used. Okay, saying, here we go. Due to its captivating storytelling. Oh, I'm AI, guys, by the way. Iconic romance and groundbreaking visual effects that combine to create a cinematic experience. Is Kent AI? That mm. resonated with a vast global audience. You say vast global audience. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something a little controversial Go here. on. Whoa. I was a teenager. When this movie came out, yeah, nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, yeah I was, so I can, I think I could I say with some child. degree, you're you seven? seven. I could say with some degree of confidence that Titanic was made for teenage girls. Sure, just marketed to teenage girls. Right. It was. I, I knew uh, many of my female friends went to see this movie. It was partially marketed to teenage boys. <laughs> <laughs> like, but girls. I had. I remember I had a girl come up to me. I had it, one of my friends come up to me, and she was telling me how she had seen it seven times. Wow. In the theater. She had bankrolled this movie, and a lot of other female friends I had at the time did the same thing. It's so crazy to think that uh, Titanic, a movie about Titanic, was this phenomenon. But the thing is, I think it's because the screenplay sounds like it was written by a bunch of adolescents. Hmm. Watching this again, that is the biggest downfall of the movie, is the dialogue. It is terrible. Okay. The way people talk to each other, it's this really kind of smug, hey, we know right. we're cool and we're being cool, even though we're way back when we're so cool and we're quirky. But do you get into the second half, though? Second half is great. It's great. Horrifyingly great. Yeah. Like, it really does, to me, like, put f- kind of a perspective on this. That no, these were real people on this ship. It's not it, just and a, the first half supports that. That's why, yes, I agree that the dialogue is hokey. I always wanted to hate Leo, but... It really does a good job of being like, hey, look, there's, there's 
people, you know, there's a class system on board this ship. Mm-hmm. And then it really drives home how this movie ends. Remember when this was on two VHS tapes and we thought this is the longest movie ever made? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's three hours and 14 minutes. That's it. That's brisk. Double yeah. VHS tapes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Joel, the impact of this movie is never ending and will never end because you still do improv, right? Yeah. So if you were to say, hey, someone in the crowd, no, if we name say, a movie, if we say name a dramatic movie to any audience anywhere, two answers will be given and it will be Braveheart <laughs> and Titanic every single time. Really? And I don't understand why. I mean, I do understand why, but at the same so time, good. it's still, it's still doing this. This was nominated for 14 Oscars and won 11 of them. It only lost, it did lose out the two actress nominees and one makeup nomination. Claire Stewart's but kind of one, awful in this. Oh, I got, <gasps> what? It's been 84 years. She is kind of She's awful. She's a jerk. There was one line in particular where she said it and I went, oh, that was terrible. Everyone lauded her in this movie though. Oh, I don't know was, why. She's so rude. So These guys are spending millions of dollars and she's got the thing they're looking for in she, her shirt. And then she tosses it overboard mm. just for fun. Well, some people might not like this movie because of uh, its length, predictable plot, excessive romance and perceived yeah. lack of depth in character development. Yeah, it is very melodramatic, very mm. one dimensional characters like Billy Zane. Honestly, put some respect on Billy Zane's name. In this movie, I was like, wow, he really is just like the one note villain yeah. the entire time. He's the time. puppy kicker. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this movie's a ripoff. Uh, there's a 1958 British film He's called so proud. Titanic, A Night to Remember, which James Cameron had seen in his youth, and he liberally copied dialogue and scenes from that movie. There's nothing original in Hollywood. Oh, darn. Yeah. He he <laughs> ripped something off on a historical story. Oh, no. No, no. He's, he's ripping off stuff like the, the party and the steerage and the, the musicians playing on the deck, like these elements from the film yeah. that aren't necessarily it, historical. It is funny that this is a movie kind of built on memes at this point. Sure. Because people do talk about the door being too big or too small, right? Yes. Kind yes. of annoying. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's kind of been played out to death. But the truth the is... The king I'm, of the world. Kind of on there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's so many like memes and mockeries of this and parodies of this that it's become yeah. almost a joke to say those kind of yeah, things. In pop, Well, and then the song, right? People are, are, will not like this movie just because and that's they where got I was tired at. of the song. But it is now fifth on this list. Joel? I had it higher. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, yeah, Titanic, big influence, mm-hmm. big impact, long legacy. I remember liking that. I watched it again, and I was like, this is not as good as I remember. And I actually kind of got annoyed at parts. Oh, sure. oh I want to say one thing real quick. Apparently, I never want to work on a movie with James Cameron because he is a uh, nightmare to work with. Oh, yeah. He is known as the scariest man in Hollywood, yelling at actors, forcing them into situations where they feel quite uncomfortable and possibly in danger. In fact, the crew thought that James Cameron had an evil alter ego named, and they nicknamed it Midge, M-I-J, what? which is Jim backwards. Because sometimes Midge would appear and just yell at them all and be angry at them all and tell them to do horrible things. Many cast members came down with colds, flu, or kidney infections after spending hours in the cold water, oh. including Kate Winslet. Poor but, thing, you're making millions of But dollars. look what he produces, right? There are people in Hollywood that are ridiculous to work with. But he's come up with so many successful movies. I'm not saying great movies. Like Piranha 2, The Spawning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's his. It sure is. No, he, no, he, so he, he started he's with so good Aliens. Sequels. T2. He started, he started with a production budget. Yeah. And then it started ballooning. And the studio was like, look, this is like a million dollars per minute. Wow. So we're going to cut this thing down. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want a three hour film. And they were saying, hey, if you have a three hour film, we don't get as many showings. We don't make as much money. And he they said, still say that today. Yeah. He said, quote, he told the Fox executives, quote, Quote, 
you want to cut my movie? You're going to have to fire me. You want to fire me? You're going to have to kill me. <gasps> Midge. Midge. <laughs> Uh, this kicked off Leo Mania. It was a huge box office success. Fox executives were, you know, obviously very happy with how mm. this movie turned oh, out. Absolutely. But as for me, I'm giving this a number seven. Wow. This this Rude. this was up higher. And like I said, I just watched it for this challenge, yeah. and I went, "This is really bad dialogue. This acting is really corny and melodramatic." And Rude. the ending made me mad. So. How many movies on this list are corny and melodramatic? I'd say. Most of them. I'd say three of them. It's right in line with the greatest epics of all time. I think this movie is extremely deserving of, the, you know, it's it's place in box office, you know, royalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is on the Mount Rushmore of box office grossing movies. It is. You know, as much as, yeah, other stuff has passed it since, it stood at the top for right. so mm-hmm. long. It did. And I give it number Two. Okay. Wow. I rank this movie really high. Zach I, is a I, teenage girl. I think very... <laughs> sometimes a teenage boy. I think very highly of this movie. I think it is extremely well done. It is interesting. I think it holds up just fine. But I think I appreciate what's dumb about it maybe more than you do. Mm. But... Uh, Granted, you, you weren't there in the midst of... I was te- not. You weren't there in the midst of us teenage boys vying oh. for the girl's attention when Leonardo I, DiCaprio was on the screen. I can yeah. feel a little bias from you guys against this movie yeah, I, had my, I do not have. I had my chain wallet. I was real angry <laughs> yes. at this movie. No, Ken didn't watch it in the 90s. Yeah. I didn't watch it until uh, later when they were chopping up the tapes and yeah. cutting out mm-hmm. parts. Yeah. I, uh, and <laughs> I... Cougar flicks? No. It was the, what was the one that was all the sunshine video or something like that? It was uh, like a could be controversy. And I just remember hearing the Celine Dion song on B98.7 a lot. <laughs> I love that song. I uh, do too. Unabashedly no, love that too. song. No, stop it. Is it is so good. Please don't. It, when, the, when it Although James Horner is amazing. James Horner is amazing. Although yeah. the score in this, go back and listen to it again. Yeah. It's like dolphin noises on the keyboard. <laughs> whop, 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 whop. That's a dolphin? It's art. It's our train. Do- it's a train dolphin. <laughs> Stop that, Van Halen. <laughs> so, uh, can you? Did you already give? Yeah, yours? five. Okay. Five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're kind of all over the board there. A little bit. Coming in at the number two highest-grossing movie of all time, adjusted for inflation, is Avatar. The synopsis is: Long ago, the four nations lived <laughs> yes, in harmony. Everything yes. changed when the Fire I Nation you, attacked. <laughs> I, knew it, I knew it. <laughs> It was going to happen. Uh, M. Night no. Shyamalan made this one, right? <laughs> uh, no, the synopsis is a paraplegic Marine dispatched to the moon Pandora on a unique mission becomes torn between following his orders and protecting the world he feels is his home. Unobtainium. Unobtainium. This is directed by <laughs> James Cameron, who directed Piranha 2, The Spawning, and Aliens, and Abyss. And True Lies. This one's two hours and 42 minutes, which felt long back then. It's, it's brisk. I was like, oh, this is certainly over 3D. three. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it doesn't feel that long. The, the anymore. craziest thing about this movie in this was I remember reading publications back then because I'd go to Barnes and Noble and read magazines. You guys remember that before the Internet was kind of like team beat this? Tiger beat and not Tiger beat. It was like EW or Empire or something like that. But <laughs> they were kind of making fun of this movie. They're like, hey, James Cameron has made his first bomb. This movie will not make back its budget, which was two hundred and thirty seven million. And then the first weekend happened and it ah! only made seventy seven million dollars. Well, this now, was a word of mouth. Yeah, this was, no, this is a worldwide. This is word of eye. Oh, yeah. This is word of eye because everyone said you have to see this in 3D. Yeah. You must. And the first time I saw it, I didn't see it in 3D. I was like, that's good. It's good. It's fine. I saw it in 3D and my review actually says, I don't think I'll like it that much when it's not in 3D because mm-hmm. it was experience. It was astounding in 3D. But the story was Dance with Wolves, Pocahontas. Fringoli, as they say. Yeah. People yeah. said it was just kind of that same old thing again. But... But it made $2.7 billion, which now equates to $3.8 billion. About, 10, about 12 times its budget. Yeah. 
This was actually one where he was trying to work on it back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. He wrote an 80-page treatment for this film and said, yeah, I want these, he said, like, purple-skinned people on this this planet and all that. But then he was was going to do it after Titanic, but he said the necessary technology was not yet available to do this movie. So they sat on the shelf. I think he was right. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this is what, it's weird because James Cameron became so eclipsed by the world of Pandora. This is all he does. Yeah, for what two decades, three or two and a half decades at this point. It's a real bummer because they are so they, they are doing the Avatar universe, which includes uh, Avatar, Avatar: Way of Water, Avatar Three, which is coming out in twenty twenty five, Four is coming out in twenty twenty nine, and Avatar Five is coming out in twenty thirty one. You're so upset right now, right? The, the third one is fire, though. They're literally <laughs> doing they're doing the the thing, but they really did like. James Cameron, I guess, is just known for saying, okay, I'm going to do this movie and just watch the budget grow and grow and grow. But then trust me, because it's going to be okay. How does he know? I don't know. I don't know what he does. I don't know what voodoo he's using or what who he sold his soul to. Well, what does AI have to say about it? It is one of the highest grossing movies of all time due to its groundbreaking use of 3D technology, visually stunning, world-building, immersive storytelling, and the film's ability to capture the imagination of audiences worldwide. However... People might not like it because they find the story unoriginal and predictable, while others criticize its characters for being one-dimensional and lacking depth. Also true. Additionally, some viewers argue that the film's environmental and social messages are heavy-handed and preachy. Also true. And this is also the movie, as as I've mentioned many times before, Mm -hmm. that was charging three times the price of a ticket. It doesn't deserve to be on this list. Somebody get the horse out of here. It doesn't he's, deserve to he's go. He's had the enough. What's crazy about this is it's a horse I've actually connected to with my ponytail, so it's sticking around. <laughs> uh, don't do that, please. Fair. Yeah. Fair. The I think this movie has now aged very well because the sequel was mm. a smash success. I watched it again just recently with my yeah. kids. The first one. The first one. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went, yeah, this isn't that great. Well, like, you never liked it. Well, well, and, well, I think it's because I watched Way of Water and I expected something as cool mm-hmm. as avatar and it wasn't and then we went back to watch avatar i'm like well i guess that wasn't as cool on, on 2d i sure. think visually this guy knows what he's doing he put so much work into this and these worlds and granted these movies they're gonna get the second one will be forgotten for me it kind of already is but i think back to that one? movie yeah and uh, i think about the the ocean in the second one and how crisp and real everything looked but even uh, this the first one came out in 2009 mm-hmm. and the special effects surpass superhero movies from this year oh easily but i do feel like they didn't make an improvement on the newer one it looks just as crisp as the old one i think it's like the toy story franchise you think that toy stories always looked good Mm -hmm. but when you go back and look at the original toy story (laughs) even the second one it doesn't hold a candle to three and and four it's a little smoother yeah it's so it's it's subtle changes but it's a lot of subtle changes that really add up to something special and this was nominated for nine oscars and it won three technical awards this one ranks for me number seven on my list. It isn't my favorite, but it is better than Avengers Endgame. Disagree. But I also rank it number seven. Okay. I think that this is better than Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> yes, that too. Don't. Uh, for me, it's an eight. So I'm just okay. barely below yeah, you close. guys. Yeah, yeah we're all fairly close. Yeah, I, I think like we're arguing. They're like, eh, it's somewhere near the bottom. We all feel similarly about this movie. I, I appreciate its place in movie history, mm. and it's, the, it's definitely important. But I don't hate the movie. I just hate the hype surrounding it, I guess, where it was like, why is this? Like Titanic, I was like, I get it why you're number one highest grossing of all time. Yeah. This one, I was always like, really? But hasn't the anti-hype in the past 15 years justified the hype at that time? No, but there hasn't been anti-hype. There's just been no talk of it. 
It's mm. it kind of it went away for a while, and then also like, hey, we're doing a sequel. They're like, oh yeah, 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 there was a movie before, wasn't there? <laughs> and now for the highest grossing movie of all time, adjusted for inflation. Did I get it right that time? You did. You did. I yes. did. It is surprisingly, or maybe unsurprising. I would like to know if the listener knows this one before I say it. It's Gone with the Wind. A sheltered and manipulative Southern Belle and a roguish profiteer face off in a turbulent romance as the society around them crumbles until the end of slavery and is rebuilt during the Civil War and Reconstruction periods. Now, this was directed by Victor Fleming for a time. Yes. And George Cooker for a time. Uh And a guy named Sam Wood, who was uncredited. But this is like the guy who directed Wizard of Oz and the guy who directed My Fair Lady Mm -hmm. coming together into this epic Civil War drama. Three hours, 58 minutes. This is the longest runtime of any movie on here. And it's also the lowest budget at $3.85 million, Which back then, uh, once again, that, that needs to be adjusted for inflation because that was a lot of money back then in 1939. It was. And from what I'm seeing, I saw varying numbers on this one, but it said it made $402 million. I think that seemed a little bit high. But movies at this time, they were one quarter. One quarter. And even yeah. a quarter now adjusted for inflation is way higher. And think about how much more movies are today. This movie made 101 times its budget. <laughs> It made a lot of money. So this one is approximately $4.2 billion earning today. Jeez. It's a lot of money. So this is 1939, right? There there maybe wasn't a lot of I movies was to say, see. There's nothing else to do. This was probably in theaters for two years. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> well, so fun fact, it was actually adapted from a 1936 novel. This movie came out in 1939, but it was also delayed for two years because they wanted to get Clark Gable for the role. Mm. So this really wasn't those, hey, this contemporary novel came out, let's make a movie of it, and like three years later, boom, they yeah. had a movie. But also remember, this is a time in movies. This is pre-Hitchcock saying you can't come in uh, once the movie starts. Yeah. So people likely just bought tickets and, and it, was, it was playing on the Watch loop. whatever part they were this, watching. This was might as well have been on TNT just the movie theater. Also, air conditioning in the movie theater, maybe. Mm. Yeah. They're just like, oh, we'll just, oh, we're at the middle of Gone with the Wind. They also had a pretty, I don't know, I want to say clever, but they had an unintentional marketing happen where they were they were having a hard time uh, casting the role of Scarlet. And so they said, hey, we're just going to do open casting call. And they auditioned 1,400 unknown women for wow. the part. None of them had actually ended up getting it. Uh, and it cost him $100,000, I think, to do this. They cast it right with Vivian Lee. But they got Vivian Lee She's in there. She's horrible. She I is. This is the most successful movie with the most unlikable cast. No, people are people <laughs> always like, well, Scarlet's terrible. I'm like, that's the point. I know. Scarlet's terrible. Rhett is terrible. Yeah. Rhett Butler's terrible. But he knows he's terrible. Uh-huh. And it's these two people who are constantly making each other miserable. It, it's, a, it's a tragedy. It's a drama where these people, if they would just really forget themselves and their greed for one second. They can't. They would have such happier lives, but both of them are intent on making themselves and everyone around them miserable. Why did it make so much money, though? Due to its captivating storytelling, sweeping epic scale, iconic performances, and its release during a time when cinema was gaining popularity, resulting in a perfect storm of cultural significance and box office success. Because this is spectacle. It is. This is big budget spectacle. Huge sets, elaborate costumes, tons of extras. Like this is, it's really impressive to watch. Like the, 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 the fire scene, I can't remember the name of it right now, but when, mm, when, the, yep. when everything's burning, you Sherman's watch March. that. And, yeah. Yeah. And you're just watching your jaws open like, whoa. Yeah. This was nominated for 13 Oscars and it won eight, including Best Picture, Director, and both actresses. Within four years of its release, an estimated 60 million tickets across the United States had been sold, equivalent to just 
under half the population of the U.S. at that time. <laughs> so is this, was this movie only U.S. or was this released worldwide? I believe it went worldwide after a while. Because China definitely wasn't paying to see this movie. No. Whereas now we kind of count on Chinese audiences to make a movie profitable. We sure. don't. Studios do. Studios do, yeah. Oh, you mean Bacon Cell doesn't? James Bacon Cameron and, and Fast and Furious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is one of those movies where I feel like if you've got the time mm-hmm. and the patience... This is a film, to use Zach's uh, terminology. It's a, it's a film. This is a no, film. No, it's cinema, which is a step oh. above film. It's straight up cinema. But is this a one-time watch? Is this a, I need to do this for film history and myself, yes. and then I'm good? Um, this is a movie you should have seen. Yeah. Not, you should go out and watch this. <laughs> I, you should I have say, seen it already. I, I say, like, if you, if you want to be a film person. Sure. Snob. Snob. This is a movie you should see, but also periodically watch again to remind yourself of, wow, this is this was back in 1939. What they pull off is amazing. But why wouldn't people like this movie, though? I, I guess I would have an opinion. Har- harmful stereotypes, some, a little bit of misogyny, uh, it's some, some confederacy in the Civil War, you know that stuff, but additionally, it's length and pacing well, up inside. Oh, of AI is so progressive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's from the point of view of the South during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. But I mean, much like Titanic kind of made me realize, you know, the, there's people on board. This is this is the tragedy here. I feel like this also makes me go, you know, it isn't just kind of these one dimensional Southern people. There's these people that real life humans who were affected by their poor decisions. Well, and it's crazy. This is what, 70 something years post Civil War. Yeah. Weird to think that that was that time. Yeah. It, 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 it is heartbreaking to you. Like there's parts in here that really do get me every single time. Yeah. And it it's, affects me emotionally. Really, though, if you're going to watch this movie... You're not going to like Vivian Lee. Well, okay. She's, no. she's I, when I say you don't great like her. Great in the role. She does great in her role of mm-hmm. making you not like her. And Clark Gable is this like kind of lovable rogue who yeah. you hate, but you also love. But really it's Olivia de Halavand, mm-hmm. who's Melanie, Melanie Hamilton or Melly. She is the heart and soul of this movie that Truly. keeps everything from becoming too cynical. And I absolutely love her mm-hmm. in this I role. Agree. Fun fact, I, when my wife and I first met and, and started dating, mm-hmm. we were kind of checking out each other's movies, uh, like movie collections. She thought mine were absolute trash. Uh, what I did was, you have? Like, uh, I was a film. Kung Pao. No, I'm a film snob. So she's like, oh, these aren't like the popular movies. These are kind of like, you know, whatever. Oh, I respect And that. then I was looking at her this movies. This guy's a nerd. And I'm looking at her movies. I'm like, oh, Lizzie McGuire movie. Okay, whatever. Uh, hey, now. Cinderella hey story. Now. Okay. And then I saw Gone with the Wind and I went, hold on. Who's this woman? Oh, <laughs> really? I was like, who has Gone with the Wind in their film collection? And I think she said it was part of a like a BMG kind of a thing where I she just got it. this part of it. But thing. it made you made you fall in love with her. But she, it made me go, okay, who's she's she's likes film here, okay. But I <laughs> watched it and she let me borrow it and I watched it and that was the first time I Joel, actually saw it. I'm just you now. Yeah. Right? That was you in college. I just now have that that mentality now when oh, I judge women good. based on their movie interests. You should. Yes. <laughs> But I, I do feel like this movie is one that people should see. It is a very, from a filmmaking standpoint, very impressive. Yeah. And it is definitely, Zach, you mentioned this, it is definitely one of those kind of outdated stereotypes where like, can can you do that? Mm-hmm. But I treat it like I would a foreign country where I'm like going to this going, these are not the customs sure. I subscribe yeah. to. These are not the thoughts I have. Not totally. Right. This is kind of how you were doing your thing at the time. So I'm going to just kind of see it from this angle. Good way to look at it. But it is... If you haven't seen Gone with the Wind, like I said, if you have the patience and time, it is well worth a watch. Number one, adjusted for inflation all time. But Joel Hilton, it is what on your list? It is my number six. Oh, boy. It didn't quite crack the top five because it isn't one I've watched many, many times and can recite by heart. I love how we're lauding it, but it's my number six as well. Okay. Boy, this is quite the the film, dare I say, cinema. (laughs) After all, gentlemen, tomorrow is another day. 
but this is not a movie I want to watch ever again. I give it an eighth on my list. Mm. I don't really like it all that much. I get it. Yeah. I don't. It's not a fun movie whatsoever. No. Well, Zach, you weren't born back in 1939. So <laughs> Joel. I was, was not. Joel was too. Apparently. <laughs> I was born in 37. <laughs> but I, so there you go. Now, Zach, you've done some tabulating over there. Bacon science over here? Yes. Yeah, so, like to hear? so just to go, I was going to say, may I read, read the official Wikipedia list of 10 to 1 just so we can have a comparison 10 here? 10 to 1. So 10 to 1, it is Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Dr. Zhivago, The Ten Commandments, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, The Sound of Music, Avengers Endgame, Star Wars, Titanic, Avatar, and Gone with the Wind. Those are the highest grossing movies of all time, adjusted for inflation. The bacon list is Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> last. Ranks last. Based this is based on averages. Based, based yeah, on the compiled score. Dr. Zhivago, The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. Avatar, Gone with the Wind, Avengers Endgame, The Sound of Music, sorry for taking that score. Mm-hmm. Titanic, sorry for raising that score. E.T. the Extraterrestrial, The Ten Commandments, and Star Wars. Sounds Cons- about right. Consensus number That's one. That's a good list. I'm okay with that list. Yeah. So, yeah, so the top three Big on our list proof. is Star Wars, The Ten Commandments, and E.T. That's yeah. kind of an awesome list. It is an awesome list. No. And these, these are all movies that are, you know, should probably be seen for the most part. Watch Doctor Zhivago because it should don't. be watched. I just don't get it. It is like the, the weird one of these things is not like the other sure. in this list. When, where when I'm like, intermission what? comes up, just stop. No, listen. So There's a ten minute overture and a five minute intermission. No, it's actually That's funny. You mentioned that, Zach. I just thought about this because uh, Doctor Zhivago first half is goes pretty well, and the second half is kind of like what? Yeah. With Gone with the Wind, the first half is pretty slow, but that second half, half really picks up. Yeah, it's true. Same with Titanic. So, yeah. But there you go. There is our list. Let us know if you've seen these movies, mm-hmm. if you like these movies, and if you agree with our ranking, or if you have a ranking of your own, of your top 10 of these 10 movies, of the highest grossing movies of all time, just for inflation. We want to hear from you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons. So from the I Am The Listener category, we have Taylor Sanderson, Sir and Madam Hicks, Scott Sprague, Ryan and Marley, Rocky and Steph, Lady Terry A. Finley, Juice, The Cooler King Swallow, Jennifer Kilkowski, Dave Kelly, Casey Cummings, Briggs is Hot, Angela Plotz, Andrew's doing a big jump, and Adam and Rachel Crump. And from the Bacon Council, we have the one, the only, Chris Anderson, Stephen, everyone's favorite, Ross, Star Wars expert, Kyler, our favorite couple, the Matsons, Nicole D. Kale, John English, the Brick, Her Royal Highness, Jessica Terry, Glow Clan Daniel, Debbie Foster, and Beaker. Thank you, patrons. You are the je to our vago. <laughs> Why that one? <laughs> it sounded the best to say. You're the end to our game? Like, could be. You're the star to our wars. You are tied to our tannic. Oh, you are gone to our wind. Okay. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with QuickWits. They perform at the Midvale Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcom or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at TumblingMustard. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale. Go ahead and like that Facebook page and also visit at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram. While you're doing that, visit tpublic.com slash bacon sale where you can get yourself a t-shirt. We love seeing that. Also, apparently the pillows are quite nice. Go for that. And then if you like the show, you like what's going on here and you want to support us further, visit patreon.com slash bacon sale. Support starts at just $3 a month and you can get access to all sorts of behind the scenes goodies and the ever fun bacon bits. That's patreon.com slash bacon sale. So until next time, so long. Farewell, Avidus, and goodbye. Pew, pew, pew.
that, that your explanation for inflation? Essentially. Listener, that was Baconomics. Brain fog. Rocky Mountain Gun Show. And this movie almost broke up Bacon Cell. Dun of Dadium. That's a cold piece. This was from Miss Congeniality. Dr. Shivago is Transformers. People were rushing to see this movie. Oh, no. By the way, it's based on uh, the book of Exodus in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? But it is also based on, on a 1949 hey, novel called Prince of guess Egypt. What? The movie's better. Joel, do you like the Bible? High. It's crazy. I you should do. read it sometime. Oh, but- he, he no, Joel thinks the book is better. We prefer the movie. <laughs> Why watch the Ten Commandments when I could watch the I've Snyder got the Bible cuts. over here. <laughs> That's his religion right there. Uh, we did twirly whirlies in the park, Zach. That's the best. For this movie. It's one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> you wanted them to be Van Trapped. Thank you guys for holding my hand through this. You're doing great. All right. The fourth highest grossing movie based on inflation. Not based on inflation. Adjusted for inflation. Oh. <laughs> All right. The fourth highest grossing movie. Not adjusted for inflation. Did I get that right? No, not adjusted. Adjusted for ah, inflation. You have to adjust. The fourth highest. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> This movie is too important to call it episode four. You stop that the right Twilight's- now. It's flipping Star Wars, man. Star it's Wars. Flipping Star Wars: A New Hope, episode four. No, no, new no, Hope. Get that new hope out of my face. <laughs> yeah, put some respect on Billy Zane's name. Doctor Zhivago. Zhivago.